Sound Minds Radio. Tune in each week. Listen, podcast, or stream this program from the team at soundminds.com.au. Sound Minds Radio. Getting behind the research, ideas, and trends in contemporary life. This program presented by Michael Schubert. Coming into winter, the Australian newspaper warned their readers to prepare aliens. The jellyfish were coming to get them assassins. That recent research had identified the jellyfish as the most expert of navigators. Adventurers. Jellyfish. An animal in a group distinguished by having specialized cells used for capturing prey. Assassins. Called nidocytes. From Greek and Latin roots meaning nettle, as in stinging nettle, and the word to scratch or scrape. Giving jellies their phylum name of nidaria. Alien. Jellyfish tend to be round when you look down on them from above, with the mouth and tentacles containing the stinging bits. The coordination is by a simple nerve net and a handful of receptors. And they can be huge, up to two metres across, and tiny, microns across. And, of course, they're made of jelly. Usually with a single cell layer wrapping the whole eyeless, brainless blob together. I asked Dr Lisa Gershwin, in the CSRO, sometimes known as Dr. Jellyfish, and author of Stung, and Jellyfish Blooms and the Future of the Oceans, why anyone would want to study jellyfish. I was defenceless. I was a victim. Um, they chose me. Um, there was nothing I could do. They, uh, they are so beautiful and so captivating and so mesmerizing that I think in many ways, oh, and and, and so unknown, and that's a really big part of it for me. I think in so many ways, they are the perfect study subject for a scientist. There's, There's a very fine distinction between science and art. And I think jellyfish are one of the most amazing art subjects because they're so beautiful and so flowing and such weird shapes and bright colors. And, you know, they've got that whole mesmerizing thing like living lava lamps, which I love. So that's the art part. But as the science part, there's so much unknown about them. And in the last year, research on one group of jellyfish in France, using two months of observational data as well as fitting accelerometers to 18 now very high-tech jellyfish, and tracking them using GPS signals, revealed the most unusual finding. These jellyfish could sense currents and deliberately swim against them, which means that these eyeless, brainless blobs could do something no other aquatic species has ever done. Detect motion in the ocean without the need for reference points. One of the team was an Australian researcher, Graham Clive Hayes. And he's quoted as saying that this unique ability is not related to the geomagnetic sense that helps birds and turtles navigate vast tracts of ocean. Rather, it's a super precise mechanism the jellyfish apply the much smaller spatial scales. 
possibly by comparing subtle differences in water movements at different depths. The jellyfish realise over a few metres which way they're being affected by the current and adjust accordingly. This helps the jellyfish to stay where they want to be, amongst the food, rather than be washed out to sea or up onto the beach, so they can do what jellyfish do, eat and reproduce. And that's why we're so interested in them. Jellyfish blooms are amazing, and the thing is, you can only learn so much from a photograph. At some point, you've actually got to get out there. I mean, if you're a scientist studying them, you've got to get out there and be among them and see them and understand them, and 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 it's thrilling to do so. It's amazing. So, jellyfish can and will eat anything they can get their lips around. So, you know, they feast on tiny, tiny plankton in the water. So if you imagine a really great algal bloom, which leads to a really great zooplankton bloom, zooplankton being animal plankton, and then you've got all of these tiny little organisms in the water, thousands and thousands, millions and millions of larvae and tiny creatures and all these things just whizzing about, and jellyfish just feasting, eating absolutely vast numbers of stuff. So everything's really tiny, but they're eating millions of it. And jellyfish grow really fast in that type of environment. So even though you've got huge numbers of jellyfish, you've got huge numbers of food. Now, where that works against the jellyfish is when there's lots of other mouths to feed that are competing for that food. But we humans have devised this fabulous way of helping the jellyfish by reducing the number of other mouths that are competing for that food. So we take out large numbers of fish, and we take out large numbers of prawns and crabs and abalones and you know all these different things. And pretty soon they are becoming the top predator in many ecosystems. So all of this that they're doing, it's all normal. Uh, you know, jellyfish bloom as a normal part of their life cycle, and they eat vast amounts of plankton as a normal part of their life, and it, all of these things are normal. What's not normal is the context that we're giving jellyfish that's really just giving them such an immense upper hand, and the response that the jellyfish are doing by multiplying into super abundances that are causing us a lot of problems. What kind of problems, you might ask? First, you have to consider how big is a jellyfish bloom. Then, you have to think about the impact on fisheries. And then, you have to think about what industrial applications are reliant on cooling water from the ocean. First, the size of the blooms. I asked Lisa Gershwin how big could a bloom become. Some of the blooms that I've personally worked with that just leave me gobsmacked. Um, there was one in Western Australia uh, a couple of years ago, and it was a creature that we lovingly call the sea tomato because it's about the size and shape and color of a tomato. So the sea tomato normally blooms just like any jellyfish. You know, we normally get some sea tomatoes happening. But this particular bloom a couple of years ago lasted for 13 months. And it wasn't like a sea tomato here and a sea tomato there. They were cheek by jowl for, you know, from the, you know, from the sand itself 
all the way out to about a mile out to sea for like a thousand kilometers up and down the coast of Western Australia for 13 months. And, you know, they were washing ashore with the tide and there were so many of them washing ashore. I've got photos that just, it, it, they just drop your jaw. They're in, unbelievable. There were so many jellyfish washing ashore that the seabirds couldn't find any place to land. It, it, I mean, it, it just staggering numbers of jellyfish. And, and then these would all, you know, dry out and die. And then the next tide, they'd come in again. Not those ones, because they're dead. But there were that more coming up again for 13 months. And you think about how much, how, how many larvae and how much plankton is supplying them to be able to grow that many animals that fast and that much to survive that long. I mean, it, not every single individual survived 13 months, but the bloom survived. It, it was immense. Yeah, and it, so uh, the surprising part to me, so we got some scientists to go out and collect some samples, and we looked at their stomach contents, and these jellyfish were eating a very, very high percentage of bivalve larvae. Um, bivalves are you know, clams, oysters, scallops, you know, those kind of things. Well, this area off the Kimberley, we get bivalves from there. Like we fish bivalves and the pearling industry is up there. Oysters are bivalves. And so not sure exactly what species the jellyfish were eating, but I'll tell you what, we humans really like bivalves. So we were in competition with this jellyfish for 13 months and it clearly had the home court advantage because it was vacuuming up every living thing in the water. You know, it, they're amazing. People just don't realize how much these jellyfish can eat. That's big. And we don't like jellyfish blooms that challenge our fisheries. But of course, it's the fact that we remove species from the ocean that allow the blooms to gain momentum. An ecological catch 22. But that's not the only issue. In the story of jellyfish versus human, Lisa Gershwin gets to the big issue. They're interfering with fisheries. They're mucking up the nets. They're capsizing fishing vessels. They're eating the eggs and larvae of the fish and the plankton that the larvae would eat. So there's no fish left in some places. You know, they're, they're doing all kinds of problems to fisheries. They're competing with the food of the fish. Uh, look, it's just, it, it, it's just unbelievable. But in addition to that, they're also really bad news for any industry that sucks in water. So whether it's a ship or a power plant, including nuclear power plants, which we don't have in this country, but, you know, are a really big deal many places around the world, desalination plants, water-cooled data centers, like Google has a water-cooled data center, any air conditioners even. So CSIRO, where I work in Hobart, the very building where I work was shut down two years ago because jellyfish got sucked into the the cooling system where, you know, we, we suck in the water to keep the air conditioners cool. And my own building, well, I don't own the building, but my building where I work got shut down because of jellyfish getting sucked into the cooling system. 
this happens all the time. And the reason is jellyfish act like plastic in a swimming pool that gets sucked into the filter and they simply block the filter. So it's amazing. There are so many emergency shutdowns of all kinds of industries. One of the ones that I'm sorry, I shouldn't say this, it's terrible, but I love this story the most. It just makes me smirk every time I think about it. In 2006, um, there was a ship that pulled into the port of Brisbane. It was um, America's newest, largest, most expensive nuclear supercarrier. It was this massive ship. It was built to withstand anything that any military on Earth and any act of nature, any storm, any hurricane, any cyclone, you know, any typhoon, anything could hurl at this ship. It was made to stay afloat without having to refuel for 20 years. On its maiden voyage, it pulled into the port of Brisbane and it got shut down by sucking jellyfish into the condensers. It disabled the ship. And I think if you look at that as a metaphor, it's a little bit frightening because we've got nuclear power plants and coal-fired power plants and desalination plants, etc., etc., all over the world being shut down by jellyfish. It seems we are at the mercy of jellyfish. Perhaps it's not the sting that is the problem. Although Irukandji box jellyfish can kill you, that's why no one swims in North Queensland over the summer. So what are they? Aliens? They certainly don't fit in here on Earth, but in the sea, they are plentiful. And they've been here in the fossil record for over 500 million years. Assassins? Yes, but only to survive. What else are you to do with a mouth and a jelly belly? Perhaps they are best thought of as adventurers drifting effortlessly in a column of seawater. The problem is not any one jellyfish. It's a matter of the bloom, where size does matter, and the consequences. Perhaps I'll give the last word to Dr. Gershwin, Dr. Jellyfish, researcher and ambassador to a much maligned group. The amazing thing about it is, you know, it's probably tempting to go, ooh, those evil jellyfish. But it's not evil jellyfish. Jellyfish have no brain. They have no backbone. They have no visible means of support. They are just spineless, brainless things. And they're simply responding to the conditions that we're giving them. That's all. There's no intent. There's no... There's no morality, there's no regret, there's no, there's no passion, there's no, there, there's nothing. They are without intent and without remorse, they are just simply responding to the conditions we're giving them. You've been listening to another program from Sound Minds getting you behind the research, ideas, and trends in contemporary life. Our team of presenters discuss some of the latest thinking behind some of the key issues of our times. Tune in for the next program on Sound Minds Radio. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Sound Minds Radio. 
or on our website, soundminds.com.au.